Has it ever occurred to you that I have agreed to look after the Overlook Hotel until May the 1st? Does it matter to you at all that the owners have placed their complete confidence and trust in me and that I have signed a letter of agreement, a contract, in which I have accepted that responsibility? You have the slightest idea what a moral and ethical principle is, do you? Has it ever occurred to you what would happen to my future if I were to fail to live up to my responsibilities? Has it ever occurred to you? Has it? Stay away from me. Why? I just want to go back to my room. Why? Well, I'm very confused. I just need a chance to think things over. You've had your whole fucking life to think things over. What good's a few minutes more going to do you now? Stay with me. Please. Don't hurt me. I'm not going to hurt you. Wendy? Stay away! Darling, light of my life. I'm not gonna hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains in. I'm gonna bash them right the fuck in. <laughs> planning on seeing tar nope really why not didn't particularly interest me also mental health and severe cognitive decline don't really have bandwidth for uh movies about abusive people (laughs) that is very direct and very straight to the fucking point (laughs) occasionally i watch whiplash because i think it's fun you know acknowledging that miles teller's character in that movie is a fucking idiot But I will say Tar does not have that level of abuse. There's really only one scene to where the character Tar, she is teaching like a kind of a guest lecture at a Juilliard class. Mm-hmm. And there's a student there who he's person of color and I believe he's queer also. So he's, you know, he's not the run of the mill, you know, dude, whatever. And the conversation that they have is kind of along the lanes of what music do you like? And she mentioned Bach. He kind of pushed back against it initially because, well, I don't really like it. It's a little bit boring. And then she kept pushing. And then he was like, well, he's very problematic. So I just don't fuck with it. And she challenges it in a very interesting way that I think the director Todd Fields decided to actually approach it because mm-hmm. The movie doesn't tell you how to feel either way, but depending on what your stances are, you mm-hmm. will naturally kind of know what to either think about her character or the kid. And again, she's not like super abusive, mm-hmm. but she's like very direct and very steadfast in her opinions. And I think the whole movie is really interesting. The idea that it shows you kind of what, I mean, I, I don't believe in cancel culture, but... Mm-hmm. 
it kind of shows you sort of what the the remnants is of if someone is kind of on that road to getting canceled. And it actually even kind of further questions, you know, do they really get canceled? Which, spoiler alert, no, no one ever does. But they at least pose it in a way to where it still makes you think about it. And I won't I won't spoil it. It is two and a half hours long. And I know you're very uh, I know you're very conscious of time and runtime. So I understand that. I mean, I, mostly it's just that I'm very tired all the time. <laughs> like yeah. th- that's that's the secret. Uh, that's why I don't like this. It's because I'm tired and I don't want to. Uh. <laughs> Well, uh, well, I think the listeners, I think Tar is a really good movie, and I think it's one of the best movies of the year. And I think I will probably watch it eventually. Is kind of what I've come around to on it. But also, my favorite thing right now has been watching people realize that she is not a real woman. kind of love that because i think it really uh, succinctly sums up the capitalist film hellscape we currently live in (laughs) where things are either game of thrones or marvel movie or they don't exist yeah or they are like a biopic yes very much so and Kate blanchett she does a really great job in the role like she's gonna win best actress i'm very certain of it I hope Todd Fields is nominated for at least Best uh, Screenplay. Will he get nominated for Best Director? I can actually see that happening. Even in that scene, it's really amazingly photographed and staged. And there's a lot of good skill and a lot of nuance in the movie. And I think you should watch it. Are there parts in the movie that are a a little bit kind of too far or too kind of much? I actually don't think so, really. I, I don't think so. So if you do give it a chance, I would definitely love to hear your opinions on it uh, because you are educated and very thoughtful. So, But speaking of educated and very thoughtful, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Now, Catherine Chinetti, I want you to tell me about this lovely piece of filmmaking because this is the first Kubrick movie we we're discussing, right? We've never I talked Kubrick so. before, right? What are your thoughts on Kubrick? I don't think he and I are compatible, but that doesn't mean I think he's a bad (laughs) filmmaker. (laughs) Uh, Extrapolate that a little bit more. So I was trying to think of a, like a succinct way to explain that. Like I acknowledge that a movie is perhaps one of the best movies ever made and I don't like it. And that's kind of how I feel about the shining. It's kind of how I feel about the Kubrick movies I've seen to the point where it doesn't make me particularly desirous to see his other projects. What Kubrick movies do you watch? I have seen Lolita. I have seen 2001. I have seen The Shining. And I shut off Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, you hit the eject button on Eyes Wide Shut? Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, I didn't really mean to. But first of all, it's 159 minutes long. <laughs> uh, and also, I was like, oh, I'll like turn this on later. It'll be like, I'll finish this. And then I didn't. And then the rental timed out. And then I never <laughs> rented it again. Holy shit. That's hard body. I love it. I mean, I'll probably watch it at some point because a podcast that I listen to a lot is covering Kubrick right now. 
So I've been trying to hop on to a couple of them here and there. I will say Clockwork Orange. You can go ahead and skip. Yeah, hey, I read boy. that book. I also uh, legitimately broke up with someone once because he dressed up as Alex Large for Halloween and didn't understand like why that made me uncomfortable. <laughs> Listen, you gotta you gotta clear that bad boy first. Oh, oh, I did. We still like follow each other on Snapchat, but that's about it. He was very nice, but as soon as he said that, and then he was like, "Maybe I'll kick a bartender." I was like, "I think we should see other people." Holy like, shit. <laughs> Halfway through helping him get that bottom eyelash on, I was like, I gotta go. Hilarious. I don't blame you. <laughs> I really don't. Full metal jacket. Have you seen even like the, the military part in the beginning? That's the you can't handle the truth one, right? <laughs> no, that's a few good men. <laughs> oh, okay, the no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You can't handle the truth. Those are vastly different movies, Cat. Aren't those both like he's in Jack Nicholson's in both of them, right though? No, he oh, is okay. not in full metal jacket. Oh man. I think uh I was gonna say you may have gotten confused with Vincent D'Onofrio, which that's a hell of a I, sh- I should probably walk up to Vincent D'Onofrio at the Comic-Con he's going to be at this weekend and just apologize to him. No <laughs> context. Don't explain it. Just go, I'm I'm so sorry. I fucked up and I'm so sorry. Um, well, 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 ma'am, 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 c- come back here. What what did you fuck up on? What don't worry about it. Are you sure? Are, are you sure, ma'am? Ma'am, 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 come back, ma'am. I, I merely said that you and Jack Nicholson look similar in full military dress. <laughs> so similar in fact that my brain fused you two together oh. <laughs> anyway love your work in daredevil uh have a good day sir well thanks ma'am bye yeah. <laughs> well i so jason lee is going to be at this comic-con this weekend and i kind of want to wait in his going to be huge line and tell him that my grandmother who spoke very little english thought he was one of the great comedic actors of our time and never missed an episode of my name is earl because she truly was like I can understand exactly what he is saying and expressing (laughs) through just his face and like what he physically does with his body. But I'm also like, I don't want to pay him to sign anything. So I don't think I'm going to wait in like a two and a half hour line, like just to be like, Nani loved you before she died. (laughs) Oh, well, get him to sign a copy of Chasing Amy and mail it to me and tell him I think Chasing Amy is kind of fire and was ahead of his time, even though it's a little bit behind its time. No. (laughs) God (laughs) damn. But speaking of not needing that, The Shining, you don't need that bad boy in your life anymore? Did you ever need The Shining in your life? That's the real question. I don't think so. I really like it, but it's another one of those movies that I feel like exists in a post-it world. And I have Mm. probably seen the movie made of parody of the movie. Yes. And I, I like a lot of stuff about the movie. I don't even mind the length terribly But this was the first time watching it that I was a little cognizant of the length. I kind of started to feel it this time. Yeah, it's about 2.25. And I get that some of that is supposed to be like, so this is what, like, Jack experienced. But that makes a lot more sense when he, like, doesn't already have crazy eyes when he's driving to the hotel. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) They weren't that crazy. (laughs) Maybe they were. (laughs) The most, the most normal 
beautiful Jack Nicholson's ever looked is in a movie we covered earlier this year, and he still looks like he might kill you with a fucking chainsaw. I mean, that, that's why you get Jack, though. That if you interrupted him like busting a nut in one of those models, he might just kill you, and that's fine. Can you blame him? Yeah, but it also makes the transformation uh, significantly less impactful. True. Because when he it, comes in, it seems like, oh, he might just, like, snap and kill his kid. And then, like, two hours year later, later, he's like, wow, he just snapped and is going to kill his kid. I think they try to make him cool in the little job interview portion. But that was, you know, that was not really hidden, to be very honest. But you just see the backslide. Yeah, you see the backslide, but also you know he broke the kid's arm. You already know he's an abusive piece of shit. Yeah. And then the reveal is, oh no, the hotel knows he's an abusive piece of shit and is <laughs> using that. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't claim to be like a Stephen King purist, right? Like, I don't think that everything he's ever written is the best idea. I'm really glad they didn't include the 11 year old orgy in, uh, it. I didn't it. need to see that. I'm glad it is. Yeah. When they first defeat him in the, in the first, uh, like at the end of the first movie is where it would be. Yeah. The celebratory uh, they, orgy. Uh, they, they gang bang Bev. Um, I know. I know. <laughs> uh, so glad we didn't see that. Imagine that would have been in this new one. That would have, it would have been in the second. It, but that is more Finn Wolfhard than I even need to imagine seeing. I acknowledge that he has a body, but as far as I'm concerned, he doesn't exist from the neck down. <laughs> but anyway, but I think that in the book, there's a lot more of a vibe of, oh, we're coming here to like reconnect as a family. And they seem to all really want to go. Yeah. And the only one who doesn't want to go is Tony. Okay. And so even in this one, they're like, well, he's got a job, so we have to go. Yeah. We're going to starve if we don't go. And that's like not it. That's not the vibe. It needs to be the perversion of their hopes and dreams that makes it scary. Not just, oh, shit, we thought dad was an asshole and he's actually an asshole. And like maybe <laughs> possessed by this hotel. But like if only we had listened to any of our instincts at any time, we would not be in this situation. <laughs> um. Very much so. Yes, very much so. So it kind of made me want to watch Dr. Sleep again, which in a similar way is like infuriatingly long. But I think that does a decent job of reconciling the space between those what we see and what is in the Stephen King novel. Yeah. But also I get that putting the the stuff in, in there, you know, like Blow Bear and everyone else is like cool and exciting and, and people love to flex on their knowledge of that. Yeah. And it adds some ambiance, I guess. But like it yeah. <laughs> very iffy, very iffy face she's making right now. I don't know that it adding good atmosphere has justified what it has become. Ooh. Hmm. That's interesting to think about. And like, don't get me wrong, I'm kind of considering getting like a pair of shoes with a carpet pattern from Room 237 because I think that's really cool. And like the funky <laughs> 70s-ness of the aesthetic, I think is perfect. Like, I, I honestly would not change very much about the way the movie looks, if anything. It just, it hits a lot for me, but it, you can play a perfect baseball game, but it kind of doesn't matter if I don't care about anyone on the team. 
is what I would say. It didn't really stir anything in you. You understand on kind of a, I don't want to say educational level, but like you understand that stylistically why it's kind of in the lexicon of horror. Jack Nicholson, you understand like his history. As a fan of film, as a medium and a thing, I see why it is impactful. Yeah, but it didn't impact you. No, but I also feel like for a lot of people, it may be one of their earliest memories of like, yeah, the hotel is evil, but like the villain is Jack. Yeah. I wonder if this is for some people like their first memory of a guy who is a father and a husband. If this is their first kind of cognizant realization of, oh shit, abuse is bad. Yes, I can Cause see Because I think a lot of people see this movie very young. I also think just the story itself was kind of revolutionary in its way when it came out because of, like, it doesn't make excuses for him. Yeah, it doesn't. Like, the hotel is kind of an excuse, but also, like, the hotel really only pushes him 10% of the way. The rest is all him. Yeah. I'm very tired of predatory man narratives. <laughs> yeah. And Kubrick has, he definitely has a history of of trying to tackle these kind of problematic men. So, so more so than others, but I didn't really talk about my history with Kubrick or this movie. I like Kubrick. Is he like one of my favorite directors? No, I think I'm more along the lines of you to where there are things that I recognize that he does extraordinarily well. I think space odyssey is a great movie, but I recognize that it's, it's a visual ride and it's, I Not, think that is my favorite of his that I've seen. Yeah, and I think I, that's also it's that one to me exists in a more similar space to Casablanca where I see what other people see in it. Casablanca for me, I don't really need to see what other people see. I just see I just see it and it's beautiful. But at least with 2001 a Space Odyssey, I'm like, right, okay, this is beautiful and cool and I like this. I get it. Yeah, with, it's a ooh. it's a very sensory experience that movie. Yeah. And then with the with the shining, I'm just like, oh, this is what they're into. Hilarious. That's what this is what the kids these days think are neat. Hilarious. Speaking of Todd Fields, he was in Eyes Wide Shut. And I thought that was a I thought it was a pretty decent movie. That was definitely in the run of Tom Cruise working with credible directors before he wanted to become Superman. So I thought it was pretty decent. Full metal jacket, it's really everything up to the ending of the training. That first 30 minutes is just a wild fucking ride. After that, you can hit the eject button, to be very honest. Clockwork Orange, do I really like that? I mean, I think I'm on along the lines of you with The Shining to where I recognize why it's in the lexicon. It's not a movie that I actively seek out. I watched it. It was. It, it is what it is. It was what it was. And then I moved on from it, so... I feel like that movie is almost a, if this is one of your favorite movies, I'm running away from our date night. <laughs> and the only reason I say almost is because I feel like some people have like a very interesting, very valid take about how it's in some ways like a little bit like if you can eloquently explain to me about Fight Club, like, well, actually, it's an allegory for like queerness and whatever, like then I'm like, all right cool i don't agree with you but i like like i agree with you objectively but like i don't agree that that is what this movie has become but i see it and i appreciate that if you could explain to me that like 
well, a clockwork orange is actually meant to be a subversion of masculinity. And like, these are my takeaways from it that are important to me. Cool. If you're just like ultra violence, then like, fuck no. Out, <laughs> out, out, out. And that's maybe why I'm very middle of the road on clockwork. Cause I watched it just kind of as, I think I watched it like, what, like seven-ish years ago. So I was just kind of watching it. I wasn't looking for like deeper themes and subtext because it was all surface level violence that I didn't feel the need that I needed to go below that. So if someone can eloquently explain the deeper meaning of that, I would be more than willing to hear them out. But I just saw violence in... A, a, a sped up sex scene that was like very strange but, but that's that's all i got from that fucking movie and i mean the shining i'm really wondering about your earlier question and i think the atmosphere of this movie is to me very engrossing i did get sort of lulled by that purposely and then when jack goes on 15 out of 10 it really does hit, but it's not one of the ones I would put on my favorite like horror movies of all time list. I, I think I would... that some of it for me is that like it is impossible for me to relax in that movie. I can't be swept up by it because even just watching the way that he like grabs the kid by the arm and tosses him or the way that he talks to Wendy, like it's so obvious that he's going to snap and hurt them. Mm hmm. And, like, I don't know if that's just having seen people in abusive relationships, having been involved in them myself, if that just means that, like, watching this and the whole time, I'm just like, run, bitch! No, that's a more than valid point. Like, you can see the tell. You can see the signs. And, yeah. and that doesn't make it... No, thank you. Yeah, it doesn't make it an enjoyable experience. It makes it an anxiety-inducing experience. So why would that be in itself fun? Like horror movies, I think I think people like horror movies because there is excitement in seeing something thrilling, but there's a real fine line between excitement and panic-inducing or anxiety-inducing. Yeah, but at the same time, like I feel like in some ways this is a little bit more like the elevated horror that exists now. You know, the villain of the Babadook is grief. The villain of The Shining is Jack's abusive nature like there's definitely something that could kind of be said there for like this is actually more closer to elevated than it is to like i would say what we consider like stock horror and by elevated i mean like you know the the really makes you think horror that yeah. is popular right now yeah which is fine and is good and has its place i feel like i need one surprise that isn't a teddy bear giving a blowjob <laughs> and there isn't one i'm like oh yeah so like he's gonna snap he's gonna kill the black guy because the horror trope is that the first murder is always going to be the black guy here comes the black guy specifically just to get murdered very much so yes it's not quite it for me it doesn't quite hit it gets close i see all the stuff but it doesn't quite hit I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think you gave this a review on Letterboxd. What would you give it out of five stars? Oh, no, I'm sorry. You did. You gave it three and a half. My bad. But <laughs> uh, your review, no one hates men the way King and Kubrick hate men. <laughs> I'm 
kind of right, though. <laughs> I didn't say you were wrong. My laughing is not, oh, cat, she's so silly. It's, oh, cat, you did it again. You spot on again. My daddy's podcast is called Hyphenation. It's the world's greatest podcast. Barack Obama proved. On Hyphenation, my daddy talks about all kinds of cool things. And sometimes I'm on the podcast too. Sometimes he has his friend Marcus on. Sometimes he stays up really late and he's tired the next day. But it's worth it. But he loves his podcast and I love his podcast. So I really want you to listen to Hyphenation. So daddy doesn't get sad. He really doesn't get sad though because he has me. Oh wait, please listen to Hyphenation. Thanks y'all. I love the podcast. So please, please, please try to join. But if you know it. Thank you. Can we hear it now? Did you have any favorite horror watches of October? Yeah, I actually sat down and watched Christine for the first time. I'm trying to finish the Carpenter catalog. And that fucked. And I liked that a lot. I feel like in the way that Kubrick and King's styles align, but also like King did not like that version of The Shining. I feel like Carpenter and King's kind of the other side of their sensibilities really line up. So while like Kubrick's really good with the polish and like the panache of it, John Carpenter's really good at building a world where this kind of seems like something that could happen. Yeah. And his ability to like do suspense really well helps a lot in this movie. So I think that was really good. I liked that a lot. I really enjoyed revisiting Halloween's. Halloween 2018 pre-Halloween ends. Okay. Halloween 2018 is just good. And the more times I watch it, the more I'm like, this is just good. This shouldn't be that like hard to do more of. How well, did you fuck up so bad? Because they wanted to do COVID and Donald Trump metaphors. They didn't want to do evil just killing random people for no fucking reason metaphors. I think metaphors. they wanted to be elevated but didn't know how to be elevated so they just went for very low hanging fruit. And it didn't super land but that's fine. Okay this was in September but I'm counting it. I saw Dream Warriors. I really liked Dream Warriors. Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. And then I'm also gonna shout it out to Freaky. Freaky was good. And I feel like a lot of people said it was bad, and all those people lied to me and owe me an apology. Well, first, Dream Warriors is great. And... Yeah, Dream Warriors fucks. I, I had never seen it. I watched Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time for this podcast. I don't think Freddy is my guy. He doesn't tickle the buttons that the guys that I like in slashers usually hit. How many Nightmare movies have you watched? Just the two? No, I've seen the first three now. Okay. I think the first three are the best Nightmare movies. Yeah. After three, they try to make Freddy the central character, and the teens just get remarkably dumber. Yeah. (laughs) I don't dislike Freddy's surprise MTV movie host. Like, I'm not opposed (laughs) to that. But I feel like that is very different than, like, what the movies are about. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of here for, like, Freddy as the Elvira stand-in, I guess is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) And also, Robert England's a very, like, apparently, like, nice dude. Like, he seems like a good guy. I do think it's really funny that in the first one, they're like, and he was a pedophile! And then in the second one, they were like, 
people thought he might be a pedophile. And then the third one, they're like, there was a rumor that he may have been a pedophile. And then by four, like, he is not a pedophile anymore. He just killed kids. I mean, he got to commit, got to commit to the bit. I think there's literally a line because I watched like the first half hour of four at one point because I think it was just on as I was flipping channels where they were like, because he killed them, a rumor began that something else was going on. And I was like, come <laughs> on. Hilarious. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, they, they weren't thinking about continuity, especially well, in the cocaine no. 80s. No, they were because clearly they felt the need to keep trying to explain that. They kept forgetting. The cocaine no, makes you forget. No, 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 no. I think that it became like there was a lot of like issues with like inappropriate touching in schools that started happening in the 80s and 90s. Uh, I, and so I think I, they I were like, ah, I also think like parents got a lot more involved in their kids' lives in the late 80s into the earlier 90s as opposed to just the eight like earlier 80s. And I think I think the the risk of a parent coming in with the VHS that the kid took home and just hearing the word pedophile was maybe a little too much for producers at the time. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, those are during the that's during that heyday of the blockbuster rental. Mm-hmm. We don't give a shit if you're really 17 or not. We'll just give a kid faces of death 14 and then go about your merry way. Yeah, I think that they they seem to have at least taken his his inappropriate touching edge off at some point because they didn't want to have to keep talking about it. For all I know, because I've only ever watched them streaming, right? This was a change they made in like 2002 where they ADR'd in like and there was a bad rumor about him like and if I looked real closely at their lips, they're actually saying pedophile. Like, I don't know, but. Well, I was going to say in the reboot they did in the 2010s or whatever, they fully commit to him being a pedo. So <laughs> big commit. Some of the f- my favorites from October this year, I ran the gauntlet with the Halloween, unfortunately. When I was watching Halloween, I was watching other movies also. So I watched like 16 movies in four days. That did not do wonders for my mental health. I can admit that. But Halloween OG is still, I would say, the best horror movie that I watched this October. Mm -hmm. And right after that is Halloween 2018. But other than that, this year I've been really committed to branching out to watch a lot of non kind of mainstream trying to get some movies out there in the mix i watched the 35 mil print of black orpheus from 1959 which looked absolutely beautiful and i love film and i hate digital a little bit more because of that fucking movie um it looked great in 35. That shit was fucking beautiful. Man. Did I ever tell you what my first ever date as, like, a little baby was? Uh, no. I say I say little baby. I was 16 years old. This is just so young, very young. But go I on. mean, I guess. I feel like I was the last person in my high school. Kiss a boy. Ooh. Uh, you so you I was in my class of 88. I watched two people decide to kiss each other so they would not be the last ones. 
Damn. Y'all was, yeah. y'all, yo, y'all thought too much. Y'all was thinking too heavy. Well, we were in a, our, like I said, our class was 88. Even if you didn't want to know everybody's business, you knew. That sounds awful. I'm sorry, Kat. Yeah, it was not great. So I went on the date. He was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, there's a 35 millimeter screening of Psycho tonight. Oh, wow. Oh, ooh, woo. And uh, he said yes, and he had never seen it, and he didn't know how it ended. Whoa, nice. (laughs) So when the rocking chair bit happens, the reveal at the end, he lost his shit. He was like, what the fuck? Oh, my. Ah! Nice. I was like. (laughs) The movie was called Psycho, my guy. What you thought it was? I mean, I guess he wasn't expecting a psycho and a drag show, but whatever. I, I will also just say for the record, that same theater showed the Lost Boys and Streets of Fire on 35 on Halloween, and I almost went. Why didn't you go? I was handing out candy to children. Yeah, it also wasn't going to end until 1.30 in the morning. Come on now. But other than Black Orpheus... I did watch Tar, as I mentioned, four and a half stars for the boys. So I think Tar is pretty strong. Uh, we watched The Batman and still hits Cat. I'm sorry. It's still really good. <laughs> I, I didn't say it wasn't really good. I just said it was fucking joyless. Yeah, it is. It's, this is still no joy. <laughs> so I fully agree. I still fully agree with you for that. I'm not opposed to uh, being fucking joyless. It's just, I I don't do that. I don't self-flagellate either. Like, I don't punish myself in my very limited off time. (laughs) Is the Batman punishing yourself? (laughs) Damn, cat. I try to do things that add joy, not take joy. No joy-neutral things? It is not a joy-neutral thing. Um, All right, all right. I respect that it might be for you. Or I feel like some people have this little, like, button that I don't have where they're like, oh, yeah, like, it's really depressing, but in that way that, like, you feel really good after. I'm like, wait, y'all getting serotonin from your depression? I don't have that. Uh, I just get sad. Yes, I do not feel joy in watching depressing things, but I would say a best example of that for me, one of my favorite movies ever, is Sideways, and it has the saddest boys, it has the saddest boy of these sad boys, and Paul Giamatti's character. Paul Giamatti is so good at being a sad boy that doesn't make everyone watching him fucking miserable. (laughs) True. He's got a gift. But the end itself, I'm not going to spoil it, but you don't stay in the depressed state. So mm-hmm. so the, it, it has that at least. I would also like to say, I know this is not a uh, a movie, but I have been watching the Chucky television show directed by Don Mancini. And that shit fucks. <laughs> On Halloween night, I watched three movies that were not in the same vein as horror. Have you ever watched the Mandy Moore vehicle, A Walk to Remember? I can't say that I have, but I am familiar with it. So a brief summary, Mandy Moore is a church is a church gal 
and she falls for the wrong guy because all don't all girls fall for yeah. the wrong guy. Um, so it's it's it was a based on a Nicholas Sparks novel, which you can make a lot of assumptions off that. And it was on Pluto TV. I didn't turn it off, and I just kept watching all the way through. So Pluto TV, you, you bastards, you did it again. Um, so. Uh, so I watched that very anti-horror, very anti-Halloween, but two of the best things that I did watch, and one of them I would say is one of my favorite movies of the year, actually. I watched two, not necessarily documentaries, but kind of two quasi-R-House, quasi-documentary films from Marlon Riggs. He was a scholar, filmmaker, poet. He was a black gay man in a period where being black and gay was not the wave. But he made two documentaries, one in 1989 called Tongues Untied. And it's a 55-minute short film, just kind of what it means to be someone that's black and someone that's queer and how to navigate the duality of that in a world that wants you to be neither of those things. That was really good. Whatever awaits me, this much I know. I was blind to my brother's beauty, and now I see my own. Deaf to the voice that believed we were worth wanting, loving each other. Now I hear. I was mute, tongue-tied, burdened by shadows and silence. Now I speak. And my burden is lightened, lifted, free. And the last thing that he put out was Black Is, Black Ain't, which was another documentary movie, just kind of the life of how do you combat and challenge blackness? Also, the idea of challenging stereotypes, sexuality and blackness, colorism. And it's 87 minutes long. They're both on Canopy, and I highly recommend it. I would say Black is Black Ain't is I put it on my list for everything I watched this year, and it's number three. So it's it's really great, really powerful, and it's if you have a library card, it is free to watch on Canopy. So I highly recommend both of those projects. But if you just want to watch Mandy Moore and reminisce on Candy. I still feel that very, very much. I've had Shining on the whole time. I just got to when he froze over. And mm. now, now they're doing the slow push into the photos and about to do the reveal. So, like, like stylistically, I think this movie is pretty good. I think he does a good job of building the atmosphere, but that's it. I will fall on the lines of I like the atmosphere more than anything else in this movie. So I don't I don't look to this movie to go back to it at all. That was a pretty interesting reveal. The little little photo in the end. That was pretty. Uh, yeah. I also knew about it beforehand because I had seen so many parodies of it. By the time I actually got to it. Yeah, I was literally going to say like, like like you said like this reveal or this little thing in the jig, whatever they call it. This been done like a hundred times since then. So. There's no way to actually be surprised by this ending anymore. Nope. Damn, he was bald. For like, he's, yeah. He came out the womb bald. <laughs> Yo, his hairline never stood a fucking chance. God damn. Bald since July 4th, 1921. 
If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate us 5 stars, leave a review and tell a friend to tell a friend. Follow Kat, at Kat, underscore, Chinetti, on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus, at Show in Madlove, S-H-O-W-I-N-M-A-D-L-O-V, on Twitter and Letterboxd. Follow the show on Twitter at Kat and Mark. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenlee. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained? I was riding on the S2 headed to Silver Spring. The bus for most of the ride had been filled with the quiet murmur of the other passengers. Suddenly, from the back of the bus, a voice rose and wailed. You my bitch! No, uh-uh! We are bitches! I turned around, looked at the back of the bus. There were two brothers going at it. No! You listen here! I ain't wearing lipstick. You are. I ain't no bitch. I fucked you. You my bitch. This continued without resolution until we arrived at 16th and U Street. The bus is packed with passengers by now. And as we approach the stop, I see 10 more waiting to step aboard. Just as the first person steps aboard, a strident, hysterical voice shouts from the back, I'm a 45-year-old black gay man who enjoys, enjoys taking dick in his rectum. I'm not your bitch. Your bitch is at home with your kids.